Aunt Edna's socks. Have we got a jam-packed inning this week? We've got catchers doing splits, Life Magazine, battling managers, pitching machines, weddings, bus rides, the most famous quote from the movie, and two guests. Mike Carlucci of Return to Oz Minute and Jeff Harden of Joe vs. the Minute join your host to break down this montage. But first, let's see what Rachel and Tierney think of the current state of professional baseball. I need them. Jesse, give me the I need them, Zach. I have to sing. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Settle in with a Coca-Cola and let's get started. And we have a great lineup today. We have Tierney Steele, Rachel Mummer, and not one, but two guests. <laughs> the world's littlest woo. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I should introduce you guys instead of making you do it, although I was mean and did that on some of my shows. Today we are joined by Mike Carlucci, who's my co-host on Return to Oz Minute. We are Tiag Tiag. Exactly. And you do other things as well, including write about baseball. Yes, including even now with no baseball on Over the Monster, a site that used to be about the Red Sox. And now it's about whatever you can be at this time. <laughs> now it's about computers that play as the Red Sox, but they're still losing. So it's still kind of sad. <laughs> I saw someone was doing simulation games and they're like, yeah, but the Padres are winning. So you, that's how you know it's not real. <laughs> I was hey. like, that's kind of mean, but true. <laughs> Padres are going to be good this year. They are going to be good. They've got Tatis Jr. leading the way. Also on the line, not a professional baseball writer, but a very big baseball fan, we have Jarf Harden, who co-hosts Joe versus the Minute with me. What's up? I'm so excited to talk about this movie, and I think that this is a fun lineup of rivals because I hate the Red Sox. <laughs> oh, 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 God, I always forget you're from Philly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. The Phillies are cool. You've got the fanatic. Yes, yeah, we do. That's true. It's not the Phillies that are the problem. It's the city as a whole sports. <laughs> and there it is. Prize okay. thing. <laughs> the rivalry has been laid bare. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's old home week for me talking to former podcast co-host but it's also a great week because we have a lot of baseball in this section rachel how would you describe what the fifth inning consists of oh the most memorable line possibly in this movie and a lot of bus trips yeah, this is a very montage inning, which does start with the Jimmy batting, and it just makes me want a pitching machine. You know what's fun yes. is right before all this craziness happened, I was thinking like, God, I just got to suck it up and pay to go to a batting cage. Oh my gosh, same. <laughs> 
That's on my to-do list in our post-quarantine times. I've always wanted to go to a batting cage. I have sort of my own home set up, but I've always wanted that extra challenge of just being there in the batting cage. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to one either. What do you have for a home setup? I'm sorry, I can't let that slide. (laughs) Oh, just a tee and like a bat and a ball and living in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, (laughs) (laughs) where I live behind a big field where I can just bat balls out into the field (laughs) without worrying about hitting a neighbor's window. That's a nice setup. I always wanted a pitching machine. They have some pretty cool ones. My brother and sister-in-law, their kids play for the local gym around here. And they have like a pretty neat, almost like manual one. I mean, you can set what kind of, what speed you want it to pitch at, but there's always a person there behind it to, you can kind of simulate a pitching motion to the batter. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty challenging. I've tr- I tried it a couple of times. <laughs> nice. I like this setup where you don't have to have the JV coach behind a net feeding in the balls. <laughs> That's the only time <laughs> I've had anything close to this. This has one of my favorite, like this whole section is just great Tom Hanks lines back to back, but he starts off strong with, why would I want to drink? I'm a goddamn peach. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's Tom Hanks? It seemed like they were taking extra effort not to show his face so that it could be somebody sort of a stunt batting practice person. Someone who can actually hit. Triples yeah, think about into that. double plays. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, I'm sure Tom Hanks took a turn. Who wouldn't? <laughs> but yeah, when you're just hitting dingers one after another, uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> At least as far as I know. One thing that really bugs me is that obviously a lot of this line, also maybe part of not showing his face was to add the ADR after the fact. But right. This scene originally, because I was like, oh, are they setting up that he always goes and hits like at night? Because there is a later deleted scene where Dottie (laughs) comes upon him doing this. And apparently they were originally supposed to be part of the same scene. And I, I don't like that because this is a nice way of showing that he has not yet made the transition to respecting his players. Yeah. This is not a performance thing in front of anyone else. This is when he is just on his own doing his thing. He does not yet think of them as equals to him, but he's gonna. He just needs to be won over. Yeah. Well, he just needs to grow up. And then we basically immediately cut to probably the second. There are like multiple incredibly famous scenes in this section. I'm really mad at the way this broke up so that I hope we're not giving short shrift anything. But it cuts to the Marlette bat with the sign battle. And (laughs) I always thought of this as like the turning point. This is the first time. And it's so funny because he's not only being a jerk, but just to continue quoting bad things that Jimmy says, when he goes up to Dottie, he tells her, stop thinking with your tits. Yeah, I never caught that until I rewatched it the other night. (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) That line that totally just went over my head. Different vibe than, it, but then when Marla hit it, he goes, "See, but I still say you're not ball players." And you know, Tom Hanks doesn't say it like that, but it's implied. Yeah, <laughs> I got really distracted and hung up because May's swing doesn't look like it's actually good enough to have gotten a triple. But oh my magic. gosh, I thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> The way she hits it, like, she makes contact. I'm not knocking her. Like, Madonna is playing baseball and she's doing the best she can. But that did not look like a triple at all. (laughs) 
No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and then I love like the equipment hanging up in the dugout. And I started to be like, well, he's what paying enough attention to the game. He learned the signals. And then someone pointed out like, well, it's they're not using super secret signals that they change every couple <laughs> of innings or anything. It's a different time before trash cans, before before the empire one of the first things that i noticed was squiggy the announcer (laughs) saying when she stretches that double into a triple saying no wonder they call her all the way may that's totally not why they call her all the way may (laughs) i want to believe that he thinks it is That really, like, feels right for this guy. (laughs) Okay. It seems like he does believe it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Doris and May know that's not why, but he thinks it is, and he's innocent enough to have not caught on. I was more annoyed that she, it wasn't, it's not an inside the park home run. She didn't. She didn't go all the way. No. Just saying. No. <laughs> That's true. Right. She went three-fourths of the way. Three-fourths of the way may still rhymes. <laughs> and also, I caught... I always wondered why he, um, Squiggy, you know, when Marla Hooch is up to bat, where, when he repeats, he's like, Marla Hooch. Marla Hooch. 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 <laughs> I don't know right. if her last name is just that fun to say, or if... <laughs> I have no idea, but I love... I love it. And I got really confused because Penny Marshall kept referring to this as her AD or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, pretty sure this is the guy from Laverne and Shirley. So I'm yeah, really glad that yeah. someone else picked up on that too. Because I'm like, yeah. I didn't watch that much of it, but that's the guy, right? It yeah. looks like it. Oh my gosh, you haven't watched that much Laverne and Shirley? <laughs> no, I've watched a lot of the opening credits because I grew up in a Wayne's World <laughs> generation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've seen like episodes here and there. Tierney, you need to watch Laverne and Shirley as soon as possible. It is so good. <laughs> I mean, I've liked what I've seen, but I mostly went by what the Nick at Night summer block party was. Oh, and yeah. Laverne and Shirley never got a night of its own. So no. <laughs> that is such a shame. I'm so sorry to have disappointed you. Oh, you haven't disappointed me at all. I always appreciate when I hear that a friend has some kind of gem that they haven't experienced yet. Just to know that they are going to see it for the first time just makes me so happy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, one thing that I recently saw for the first time was the movie Bull Durham. And so now, whenever I see this, this racing catcher, I was like, she announces her presence in this movie with authority. I freaking love it. When she yells at Mar- when Marla's doing the little like dance mm-hmm. back and forth, she goes, come on. <laughs> I love her. I love her comments. And then when she finally, she's like, finally, when she, oh, she finally goes, steps in the back. goody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what she says. And I also like the very beginning of the section, I suppose, when you see like a close up. I mean, you see like Jimmy and then you see kind of uh, it just goes to like Doris's cleat, the bottom of her cleat. <laughs> and she's like, Evelyn, I, you know, I got your son's snack on my cleat. I like that it's almost like a rhythm of how often it's like we're going to show Stillwell being annoying. And I noticed that she gets it off of her cleat, but then once Jimmy gets up to go um, actually manage and throw mm-hmm. some other signs out to Marla, it kind of shows her in the background and it looks like that snack is back on her cleat. <laughs> hmm. Well, I also caught a continuity error in this movie. One that I had never caught before because it was shown to me by the closed captioning. 
when uh when she says then act like it you big lush someone on the bench says about time someone told him and (laughs) when the closed captioning says may you hear it you hear that that is madonna's voice however she's on base (laughs) may is on third base yeah (laughs) so there's no way it's may (laughs) maybe her voice carries really well (laughs) May can she has read a really lips. good ear. Yeah, she- <laughs> so she knows exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call her all the way May for nothing. <laughs> right, she can hear yeah, she all can the hear way from third way. base into the dugout. <laughs> That's why they call her. See, now we know. <laughs> what were oh, you listeners wasn't thinking? Too far all off. the way May meant. <laughs> Check yourselves. Oh, we'll get there, sex positive jerf. <laughs> we'll <get there. laughs> That's true. We will. <laughs> for those who don't know. That is a nickname that Jarf was bequeathed with in the Movies by Minutes community. (laughs) And one that you have embraced, but I just want to make it clear to those tuning in who haven't heard you before, nothing weird is about to happen on this show. (laughs) And unless you want it to. (laughs) I mean, we're only about 10 minutes in. Who knows? And then I'm dying because I think my favorite thing ever is Jimmy yelling, way to go, whatever your name is. (laughs) 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 I'm engaged, but I don't really know the details. (laughs) (laughs) They make a point later that he never learns anyone's name, but I just love love that that. you can start, like, his positivity, like, way to go, whatever your name is. (laughs) And he knew she was one of the best hitters on the team. That's what precipitated this whole debate. Yeah. And yet... (laughs) He did not learn her name. That feels very real for a profession, a former professional baseball player. I don't know who you are, but I know all your stats. <laughs> and I guess just him being like, you know, girls as ball players, he's like, you know, he doesn't want to right now take the time to learn their name. Like he just can't be bothered right now to coach girls and learn their names, I guess. <laughs> so what did you think of his sort of his overarching critique of their strategy of doing a squeeze bunt with your best hitter on base. Because it's it's sort of the conflict of small ball versus whatever is the opposite of small ball. Uh, Jarf, you just hit on the exact reason that Mike is on this inning. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I thought I was on this inning to compare baseball to cricket. Okay, Andy Zaltzman. <laughs> right. Are you going to put in a sound effect of crickets, of crickets. in there? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> sure, just make more work for me editing. <laughs> no, I have a distinct memory of being in that setup batting cage with the JV coach behind the net feeding balls into the machine and him being like, okay, now bunt. And I scored up to bunt and he just like hung his head and he's like, move your finger. Like, so the minute he said bunt, I kind of like blacked out a little bit and I don't really know what's going on in the sign battle. <laughs> I mean, really, you wouldn't want, well, there are there are cases where you'd want to bunt. I mean, I don't know if they have enough defensive information. Like if you're bunting to a poor fielder, you've got a speedy speedy hitter, speed on the base pass maybe, but... I think, I think he's, he's just he's, he's just trying to give up some outs, but he might be trying to lose, right? Dottie swears it's Dottie's plan. She thinks the squeeze will work. Uh, yeah. I never got the impression that Marla was a fast runner. May definitely is. That's like her claim to yeah. fame. She's fast on the bases. Very Sophie Curry's. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard Marla she's fast. is a hitter. 
Ha. Ha. <laughs> so May is fast, and I'm guessing she's banking on that being what she wants. She wants to get May in. But yeah, sacrificing Mar. Well, we don't see Marla run, I don't think, at any point. Mm, I don't think so. So we have no idea what her standard sprint time is. Uh, I, I, you want to let your best hitter swing. That's the case every time. <laughs> let your best hitter swing. And if you're making a baseball movie, bring green paint, which is apparently the advice Penny Marshall received when she called up other people and made baseball movies and was like, all right, what do I need to know? And they told her, she talks about it in this scene. They tell her, you know, leave it rolling when they're playing because you never know when you'll be able to use that footage and bring green paint because the grass will inevitably turn brown on you. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And it's just easier to paint it green and keep it green (laughs) for consistency's sake. That makes sense. And I was doing some research online about it. And I guess they they did practice their baseball skills. So even if the script calls for a triple, that probably was a legitimate hit. I mean, you know, they they they, they may get a triple, but it doesn't sound like they did a lot of, I don't know if they... They did, you know, more, but it doesn't sound like there was a lot of stunt ball playing involved, right? No, they no. would have gotten it. And and like I said, I mean, it's amazing enough. I mean, let's think about it. Not to knock her, but like, it's freaking Madonna. Madonna stood in the box and made contact <laughs> with that ball. That yeah. fact alone makes it impressive. And it was a solid swing. It just, you know, you're watching it roll into the outfield and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Megan Kavanaugh was an amazing hitter and just spent hours and hours learning to switch hit and everything for this movie. So they made it real. And I also think these scenes on the bus make it real, too. Yeah. The whole cemetery boneyard, cross your fingers, you'll never get another hit. I mean, I've been doing that since I was eight. Mm-hmm. I- Every time someone says like, oh, that superstition has to be made up. It's too stupid. Ball players wouldn't really do that. I'm like, mm, it's probably real. <laughs> Athletes are a superstitious bunch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You never want to take that chance and say, oh. (laughs) But yeah, especially this bus scene, or these are some of my favorites. (laughs) I love the bus scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, I just mentioned Bull Durham. It feels very, people have compared it to like minor leagues, the bus rides and going around. But for these women, this was pretty much constant. I mean, they played almost every day. Oh, yeah. They traveled between, like, it was intense the time on the bus. That's why all the teams are where they are. They were all within a two-hour bus ride of each other. Yeah. At least originally. Peoria has to be farther than that. But <laughs> that was the original plan. And yeah, this whole May teaching Shirley to read scene is just iconic. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, like, I tried to pause and see, like, maybe I can see the title of the book that they're reading or something but I couldn't, so. <laughs> it's, there, it's just generic, uh, generic one. Apparently, Lori Petty contributed the line it, when uh, when you hear May saying, oh, it gets really good after that. The delivery guy walks in. That was her suggestion <laughs> okay. for how the book was going. <laughs> okay. Because I love that when, when she says, like, what are, what are you reading or what are you teaching her to read? And, I just love May's just like, she's reading, you know, pretty much like, what does it matter? She's reading. It's like, that's very, that's very true. (laughs) May was ahead of her time because that is absolutely how we encourage people to read these days. Mm -hmm. There's always that fight over whether comic books, graphic novels are real reading. And (laughs) the consensus seems to be like, hey, reading is reading. 
Yeah. That's all that matters. And I love Shirley when she kind of realizes like what <laughs> she's reading. Like when she's like mil- milky white and then she kind of looks at May like, oh my. And she's like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> like yeah, you said, you know, then it's like it gets really good. She looks so proud of herself until she realizes what she just read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sex positive Jarf is back. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, rewind. Up? Let's go over all that again. <laughs> We're talking about May's uh, school of literacy in the back of the bus. I love that it's the back of the bus. I love May's bench back here. Yeah, she, she, she has the whole back bench to she herself. She does. <laughs> yes. And if you're going to teach someone to read, then why wouldn't you do it with a romance novel? It's just the logical choice. Pretty simple writing. Never have to worry if things are a metaphor for something. I dig it. <laughs> Sometimes there are recipes in the back. You never know in this day and age. (laughs) (laughs) That's more the history, Mr. Like mass market paperbacks, but I'm sure some romance novels do it too. (laughs) (laughs) And then we see Evelyn writing the song, which will become the victory song. Yes. And I realized I went down kind of a rabbit hole because I knew this was written in real life by LaVon Pepper, Pear Davis, and Nalda Birdie, Bird Phillips. And I had always assumed, and Pepper's a catcher, Birdie's a pitcher. I'd always assumed they were like on a bus together, spending all this time together, wrote this song together. They are co-writers of this song. They were not on the same team. <laughs> Pepper went all over. She played for a bunch of different teams throughout because she was on in the league for years. But Birdie only ever played for South Bend. And the year she played for South Bend, uh, Pear was in Fort Wayne, which granted oh, are close, okay. yeah, but like much. they're on different teams and there was a non-fraternization role. Oh yeah, that's right. Which was flouted all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> And just finding the time, you know, in between Seriously. to like write the song being on different teams. <laughs> was Was like, was Pepper leaning forward and like, tucking lyric suggestions into Birdie's yeah. like pocket while she was at bat. Like, <laughs> how did this work? <laughs> so I've never seen any explanation of it. So if anyone listening knows the story, please hit me up because I would be fascinated to know like what that process was. Although you hear about story like books that are written where people send the chapters back and forth. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 just, it's the 1940s postal service. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they sent tapes in the mail. Became a band. I mean, it can happen. You used to be able to send babies in the mail. Oh, uh, well, now you just made my next note weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, the next thing I noticed is that Kit in her, like, halter dress and backwards baseball cap is my freaking idol. I love her so much. I do like She's that so look. Cool. Oh, it's such She's a like good so look. casual cool. It's... <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, most girls in real life would have just been wearing whatever the heck they wanted, but they have to wear skirts off the bus. And this movie just made that easier by they're always wearing dresses or skirts on the bus. (laughs) And then we get the most beautiful speech in the world from Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, I love Giving little girls labeled tomboy's life from the start. I love this part. That's one of my favorite is just her explaining what the league and playing means to her. It's her place where she belongs and she feels like, you know... Hey, I'm not the only one that feels different. Like, I'm not so different because all of you are the same as me. Fun fact, I was already emotionally vulnerable, but I did cry taking notes for this minute because I wrote down the quote, I think we're all all right. And then Betty replies, Mm -hmm. we are in just the most perfect, heart-wrenching way. And yeah, 
it's perfect. They talk in the commentary and they're like, this is so good because it's real. This is how the mm-hmm. real players talked about it when we were, you know, getting to know them before filming started. And it's the knowing not even before that part when she's talking about like why she dated this guy, even though he treated her like crap. And like yeah. the knowing nods that Kit and Betty are giving or like, well, everyone else treated me weird and like didn't want to go out with me. So I had to date him because he was the only one willing. And they're both like, mm-hmm. yep. Got that. (laughs) It's just, oh, it's so good. I was trying to be a good movies by minute person and like, look at the other images that Doris has pinned up on her window. I'm guessing those are brothers and their naval uniforms. And she's a good Catholic girl. She's got her image up there of the Mary. But I just, I was so distracted because it's so beautiful. And then her like, so long, Charlie. Yes, when she (laughs) completely life affirming. And then that, you know, like later on, as we'll see, like she realizes, hey, there are some guys out there who don't think I'm too weird. So that's I very weird, but they like her. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they may be millionaires. I recognized one of the guys who was part yeah. of her fan club, but I couldn't place mm-hmm. where I recognized him from. Which I, I know, like I can't list specifics. He's just one of, I'll have to look it up and see what. It's Skolnick, right? Because I've looked at him before. Doris fan. Oh, Joey Slotnick. Yes. Oh, yeah. He has been. And Hollow Man is the first thing that comes up on his thing. Hmm. Nip Tuck, the good wife. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. The Goldbergs, the Deuce, Murphy Brown. I believe the reboot based on where it is in this Okay, list. I was going to say. <laughs> it's pretty high up there. Uh, Psych, one episode. Yes. Episode That's Psych. where I know him the from. The Office, one episode. Pushing Davies, Daisies, one episode. So okay. he's definitely one of those guys who shows up. He did a bunch of voices on Family Guy. Oh, good. He's been on a Law and Order. All is right with the acting world. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in one of my favorite TV movies of all time, Pirates of Silicon Valley. Yes. As Steve Wozniak. I know that one. <laughs> wow. He's Woz. Noah Wiley plays Steve Jobs and it's oh, oh. awesome. <laughs> that sounds fun. Don't forget uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Anthony Anthony uh, Michael Hall. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I was like, I could not remember the order of words to of names to put those in. You hit my car with a bulldozer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to see them in just a couple minutes, and it's beautiful. But first, we have to see. It is so frustrating to me. This scene between Evelyn and Jimmy and the umpire is so good. <laughs> and I hate that all anyone ever remembers is the line, there's no crying in baseball. There's a much better line shortly after. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, just start with him calling her to be like, uh, Evelyn, which team do you play for? And she's I love like, it. Um, and I I'm love- a peach. <laughs> and I love how she answers because it's almost like she knows that she's a peach, but, she, but she's kind of like, I don't know if Jimmy knows what team we're on right now. So I'm just going to be very careful in how I approach this. Just how she's, you know, you can tell she's like, yeah, I'm a peach. But she's like, I don't want to step on your toes in case you're not sure. (laughs) And like you see all the the actresses are like playing this perfectly. Because you see all of them being kind of like, we want to help, but we're not really sure what to do. And the fact that it's Doris that speaks up. Yeah. Like that feels very in character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And then we get the fastest story about Roger Hornsby ever told. (laughs) I love your setup for this, Tierney, because I specifically asked to be in the part of the movie where Tom Hanks says, there's no crying in baseball, (laughs) because this is my big soapbox for the movie. The reason being... I personally feel that this moment is one of the most widely misinterpreted moments in Hollywood history. And it's because I think that history misremembers the intent of the scene. Mm. So I honestly, because I was coming out so, so bold with my critique, I felt the need to do a little bit of additional research to make sure this isn't just my interpretation. Other people feel this way. So I looked it up in the Urban Dictionary, the quote, there's no crying in baseball. And I found that outside of baseball, people replace the last word with (laughs) their occupation. For example... There's no crying in politics. There's no crying in wrestling. And <laughs> and here I'm quoting the Urban Dictionary. Actually, what they want to say is, be a man. Don't be a pansy. Okay, mm-hmm. stop. That is not what this moment in the movie is about. It's about Tom Hanks' character not understanding how he needs to connect with these players. He is a good manager in that he understands baseball, but he doesn't understand how to work with people. That's his arc through the movie. So I'll step off my soapbox. No, I think you're exactly right. And I think this story is is an important piece of it where everyone just says like, oh, there's no crying in baseball. And then he tells her why he said that. Why he th- why he at that moment yelling at Evelyn thinks there is no... Because he believes that. And he is saying man up. He is saying don't cry. And it's because he was in a position where he wanted to cry and he felt like he couldn't. Mm. He was told yeah. throughout his life to quote unquote man up. And so that's the only way he knows And the whole entire point of this scene and everything that happens after the exact moment when he says there's no crying in baseball is that other people are saying like, hey, your way's over. Your Mm. way is not going to work Mm. here. And you either need to let that go and move on with your life or you can't you can't play with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So taking that into account, like when the ump comes over, I mean, you know, the whole that's kind of a metaphor for like. For like man up, it's like does does it yeah. kind of take away from the women's role in the game by having him tell Jimmy treat each of these women as you would your mother? I mean, from a respect standpoint, I get it, but yeah. is it taking away from them as I think athletes? There are there are steps of you know you're right in that he should be able to treat them as equal human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> without having to bring gender into it. But mm-hmm. I also think. In this movie, it's 1943, and most people aren't thinking that way. No. no. And so I think that's the only way this person knows how to portray that. that, Like, there's no way. I love that he is billed as empathetic umpire. (laughs) I think that tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Yeah. This is a guy doing his best with the world and understanding he has of it. Yeah, 100%. He's further along that path than Jimmy. Doesn't mean he's perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was never a huge fan of his whole line about, oh, imagine each of these players is your mother that just always rubbed me wrong of kind mm. of for the reasons that you're saying. But his line before that, I actually love. I've always thought of him as kind of umpire thesaurus because it's very <laughs> random that he busts out this, perhaps you chastise them too vehemently. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it's just an accent thing, but having studied the movie MASH, he sounded to me like Robert Duvall as mm. Frank Burns. <laughs> like the cadence of his voice was like Frank Burns would absolutely have said that sentence. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I could see that. <laughs> Before that sentence is when we have possibly, I mean, I love Tom Hanks throughout this film, but is there anything better, despite all we are saying, than the exasperated, what's going on? She's crying, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, just like actually, that explains this everything. This is a man who does not understand the turn that the world has taken around him. <laughs> well, that's why I think that's why this is such a tricky film moment because Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. He's gonna make you love every moment, and he yeah. so completely sells this idea that there's no crying in baseball. That's a big part of what's made it an indelible cultural reference point. When you hear him saying there's no crying in baseball, part of you believes it, even though you mm -hmm. know that he's so wrong as a character to think that because he's Tom Hanks and he can sell it so well. So uh, that's what's kind of the conflict in this scene. One thing that I think would have helped, I love that it is a background detail, but I never noticed it before doing this project. So I'm sure most people watching this movie never noticed it, is that Evelyn continues crying the rest of the scene. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like as it fades out to the next scene and Doris is doing her line, blah, blah, blah. Evelyn is on the bench being comforted by Helen and Ellen Sue. He's yelling, there's no crying in baseball. He's getting into fights. He's defending, blah, blah, blah. And she is still crying. <laughs> like that is the subtle woman's defiance of the ages. <laughs> in this whole scene, at no point does Evelyn like calm down. And actually in the commentary, they were joking like she did so good. She kept crying the whole time. And then I forget. And I have been Laurie Petty actually was like, oh, somewhere Betty is still crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they did that. It is the yeah. perfect detail. She's still upset. He gets thrown out of the game and everyone else is laughing and clapping and moving on. And she is still legitimately upset at what mm -hmm. has happened. She does not just get over it. Yeah, that's a you great, know, that's and a move great on point. to the next scene. It's a really nice detail that, again, I never picked up on before. Yeah. Me. Movies by Minute Podcast are so great. So I had a question about the way people responded to him being thrown out of the game. Anytime that I've watched a game and the manager has been thrown out, when the crowd cheers, it's because they are fired up by the fact yeah. that the manager got out of the dugout and fought for the players. So mm, yeah. I, I found the way the scene played out a little bit odd because I think that you're meant as the viewer to see, okay, finally, this is Jimmy getting his come comeuppance, but it, it didn't quite work with the way baseball usually plays out. I got some news for you that I think will fix this, but also infuriate you. <laughs> They're not in Rockford. They're uh... in South Bend. 
Oh, that's this right. This is the opposing manager who has just yeah. been thrown out of the game uh, for arguing with the umpire. That. And most of the people in that stadium cannot hear what happened whatsoever. Yeah, which I wonder they if they know just... They just tied the game. They might have noticed the manager yelling at the person who screwed up. And making And then cry. he gets into a... He's obviously arguing with the ump and then he's thrown out. And now their opponents who they just tied up don't have their manager, who everyone thinks is the baseball genius. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because from their from their mind, he's a ringer, and now they're just going mm-hmm. back to running themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah, especially being Jimmy Dugan, they're like, you know, he got he just got thrown out. Like, holy crap! <laughs> so they think, you know, like you said, baseball genius is out. So oh. and being a Reds fan, this past season we I. Watched a lot of their manager getting thrown out of games <laughs> many times. Yeah, I uh, I did not notice Evelyn crying before. I never thought through why, why the crowd is cheering before. But one thing I did, he may not be a baseball master, or at least managing wise, but he is a master of insults. Because <laughs> I have to tell you, as an elementary school child, my friend and I rewound this like it was the freaking Zapruder film to figure <laughs> out what he said to the umpire to get thrown out. <laughs> just two girls in elementary school going like wait what did he say did he say penis oh my god <laughs> <laughs> only you had the closed captions yeah what a different world it would have been back then <laughs> and i will say this for tom hanks all these lines that he says with like swear words in them or anatomical parts in them he says them very quickly <laughs> Yeah, just his timing on that, just the, you know, split second after that ump turns around, you he's like, bam, and then it's <laughs> just the casualness Which, of him, you know, just delivering that insult and the timing, it's perfect. Which does speak very highly to his baseball experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you misunderstood me. <laughs> I love that. He's, it's like, I'm pretty sure that was crystal clear what you, what you meant. How do you misunderstand uh, <laughs> I meant it as a compliment. You're beautiful. <laughs> my my last one was uh the greatness of you will see empathetic umpire in the credits. That is R. M. Haley. But if you keep watching the credits, you may notice the first assistant director, Michael Haley, and bump bada ba movie magic they're the same person (laughs) he's been a producer and an assistant director on tons and tons of stuff always credited as michael haley and he's been an actor in a whole bunch of those movies as well where he's credited as rm haley (laughs) and he's from pittsfield mass Woo! i have a friend also from there so i figured i'd give him a shout out Wait, what's his first? What's his first name? Is it? Does it start with R, or did he just add the R for his pen name? I, I don't know. Oh. He has very little biographical information <laughs> on IMDb. You'll be shocked to hear. Maybe he adds the R when he is a a, Actor. a penis in a hat. <laughs> That's when he uses the R. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, he's done it in other things because I was flipping through and I got really excited because I clicked on his bio and the first thing that popped up was a picture from regarding Henry and I was like, tell me everything (laughs) about this man. But he's done it in a bunch of things. If you flip through, it's a really eclectic group of movies he's been involved with. I was very entertained. Oh, he worked on Bedazzled. Oh, wow. Another movie with some great sports quotes that are used all the time. And I'm like, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> when they talk about the, oh, you got to give 110%. I'm like, he's they're making fun of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone have any other feelings about 
baseball and the precipitation or not thereof? Well, I have some strong feelings about Mr. Lowenstein, and I Mm. wonder if we should move on to critiquing what a jerk he is to the sisters. Yeah, I had uh, issues with him too in this this scene in particular. This is not actually at Horlick Field, which is where Racine played, but it looks like it, and that's nice. And I had to drop that trivia because it's named after Horlick, the inventor of malted milk, which I felt Mm. like was very important for everyone to know. And then (laughs) we get one of my favorite lines in the movie, and I don't even know why. It has nothing to do with the movie, but the, and if you're in the area, and you must be in the area, because this isn't a very powerful (laughs) radio station. I love that. Come on down to the ballpark. And I I blame it entirely for my love of the TV show Brockmire. So I had to give it a shout out. That voice, that cadence, it's so good. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite lines too, but I didn't include it in my notes because I thought it was just so personal to me because (laughs) as you know, Tyranny, I got my start in podcasting, working with our mutual friend Brad. And the reason this line resonates to me so much is because we started out broadcasting, working on a crappy college radio (laughs) show And if you want to talk about if you are hearing this show, then you must be local, then (laughs) I give you Lock Haven University's college radio (laughs) in which you had to actually plug your radio into the cable that was meant for your TV in order to hear it. Wow. (laughs) That is is local radio. That is beautiful. So the line resonated with me. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was... By the summer camp I went to, we actually thought we had a little radio station and radio was one of the classes you could take. Hmm. You would record like a half hour radio show and they would play during the siesta hour. So like if you're... If someone in your bunk had a radio, you could listen to it. And I always wondered what the other people who like lived on the mountain must have thought, because it must have shown up like it was publicly broadcast. Yeah. But yeah, I've never heard of that with plugging it into the into yeah, the cable. Me neither. What a beautiful, heartwarming memory before we just get to the... And I don't even... I can't even blame him because he's trying to do a good thing. He's just not good at it. And I appreciate, (laughs) and you'll know the moment we get to it, when Dottie looks at Ira Lowenstein and clearly, in a way that only Gina Davis's eyes can do, says, you effing moron. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that scene with, like, I don't know, this is probably my least favorite scene of him. And just, you know, him announcing in front of, like, the whole dugout, especially that he wants, you know, Uh. he mentioned specifically Dottie. He wanted Dottie for the exclusive. And it's like, okay, just say that in front of all the players. (laughs) Because, you know, you gave her the nickname Queen of Diamonds. Oh, my gosh. The way that he does this is (laughs) so... Looney Tunes level mean. Yes. That he, she is so eager for any kind of recognition. And she asks him, oh, did you say anything about me? Uh, and he says, I sure did, kid. And, and you can face. see she perks up. She looks oh, yeah. at her sister. Her sister looks back at her. They're both smiling. And then how could he 
be such a sociopath to say, (laughs) oh, I told them the scouts didn't even want you, but they had to take you because your sister said they wouldn't sign without you. I mean, you're a monster. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with Mike, you? Mike, you want to chime in about the uh, social awareness of men who spend their lives in the front office of baseball teams? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not true. He's coming at it from the business advertising side. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, not good. You can you think about it like, um, well, just, just before before we go way past the announcer, he does say the crowd's mm-hmm. light today because of the we've got the tractor show in town, which oh, is yeah. a fantastic. Yeah. Just kind of throw away. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you've got, got the tractor show. <laughs> it's competition. <laughs> you went to the tractor show instead of... Okay, sure. I'm sure tractors <laughs> are very, very exciting. Tractors, threshers, all the great big equipment. But it Mike, be- some of us grew up in <laughs> central Pennsylvania and can relate very much to that announcer statement. Just saying. And it is a light crowd, but also the game has not started, so I think they're over. Yeah. I think it's going to be fine. I know. I, I know my wife is probably within earshot of of what I'm saying. I can't see her. I know she's in the other room, but she did grow up uh, in rural Minnesota <laughs> where they where they have tractors and tractor crossings on the streets. So I'm probably probably getting a riled look right now. So yeah, it's flicker. You can feel it through the door. <laughs> it wasn't but anyway. Uh yeah, it would be like if uh, on the Dodgers they had both Pedro Martinez and Ramon. Ramon was fine. Mm. He made it to the majors. He's not in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's not an ace. You don't need to say that to his face. Yeah, you don't go into the dugout and say, hey, Pedro, we're going to do a story on you. I said something about Ramon that he's so terrible that they they wouldn't wouldn't I told him how terrible you were. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. That's just, Mm -mm. he should lose his his exclusive. Yeah. I do like two things from this. I like that Alice, when he first says Life Magazine is here, she goes, wow, we get that in Saskatchewan. I love that too. I immediately (laughs) thought of when you were talking about like rural, growing up in a rural area, she's like, wow, we get that where I'm from. (laughs) And then my other positive note for this was that I did not realize until taking notes for this how incredibly badly I want Kit's warm-up jacket. The what? Oh, with every depth of my soul. I want that gray AAGPBL jacket. She's always like half wearing it on her Mm -hmm. pitching arm. Yeah. But in this one, she's got it zipped up so you can see the patch. And I'm just like, that looks real comfy. (laughs) I really want it. And it's not team specific. Oh, nice. So she can continue. Anyway, that was just something I had to notice (laughs) before. Don't get me wrong. I both hate and love this. I think this is a really important character moment because did you notice that everyone picks up that like something isn't right here, but May is the first one to pick up enough to be like, why? What's wrong? Yeah. And see that that's the other issue I have, like, is, you know, Ira being, you know, his position, would he really just drop that bomb right then and there? Like, oh, hey, have a good game. Ira should not even be in the dugout. Let's it's kinda, not, let's face that. <laughs> like, it just reminded me of Michael Scott and all the times in the office when, you know, downsizing and they're like, don't tell that a branch might close. And, you know, it's like, I'm going to tell my branch right now. Does. But I'm just like, right before a game, shouldn't you wait till it's like an official, official thing? Like, yay or nay? I just, it's not a very professional move, I guess. But I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how all that works. 
I'm so glad Doris yells at him at the end. The way she says, we always do. Oh, yeah. And like, that that's another oh, thing I had so an issue mad. with is how he just throws that out there. Like, give it your all. It's like, what do you think they do all, you know, all day, every day, every week? You know, they are always giving it their all. And that's another kind of cut at them. So maybe I don't feel bad that he got Tootsie Roll yeah, juice. Yeah, just like everyone just want to get out of this. <laughs> Would everyone like to get out of this dugout right now? <laughs> this awkward, awful Madonna is crying dugout. <laughs> I will say I credit this movie with, not to tell tales of myself, I was not like a super popular person in high school and neither were my friends. Okay, let's just move on. Everything's fine. A lot of my, I was still friendly towards a bunch of girls that my friends were kind of like, what are you doing? Doing. Mm-hmm. She's so stupid and vapid, and all she does is make out with guys. Like, she's easy, you know? And I was always kind of like, yeah, but sometimes girls like that got more, like, why bother being mean to them? So, oh, and yeah. I, I kind of credit May with that, of being like, sometimes the girls that dance with a lot of guys and make out with a different one all the time and have nicknames like All the Way May can be upset and cry. Yeah. Oh, Basically yeah. was what I got out of this scene. <laughs> Maybe it's not as fun as... As it can look from the outside. Yeah. And I would 100% credit May Motobito with that. But I would still like to get out of this awkward scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. I did not know before watching the commentary from Penny Marshall that this was the actual still photographer that they had like on set. You know, when you see those publicity stills from movies. Oh, yeah. They just, they gave him an old timey camera. Nice. That's adorable. Wait, is that true? That's what I heard in the commentary. So if it is not true, that is not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Because it was already my favorite part of this inning that scenes from the gameplay become the photo on the front page of the paper. And to know that 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 was the production side of it just makes it all the more delightful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this this is the best format of podcast. I just have to say. <laughs> well, you'll notice if you're watching closely as we are that you s- actually you see Gina Davis make the decision and start to go down. Mm-hmm. Then you see the split falling from behind and then you see her <laughs> in the split getting up. And here's the thing. Madonna can do that. Or Madonna. Oh my god. <laughs> Gina Davis can do that split. Gina Davis can do the split. It. Yeah, she just can't do it while running and catching a baseball. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I can't even do the splits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is a stunt double actually doing the fall that is captured on the video. But it also gives you that great shot of the photographer taking the picture. Oh, yeah. So that you can see him as well. So, like, that's it's fair enough. It's well done. It's only a little bit of movie fakery. But the best part of that movie fakery is that it's a male stunt double. Yeah, yeah. It's a male stunt double who had to shave his legs for the scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's those little things. (laughs) I imagine that everyone recording this podcast tonight is a sports fan on some level. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. how much do you like being a showboat in your sports showmanship? So are you more on the side of let's curtail it, let's cut it back Let's find players when they do their celebration dances in the end zone. Or are you pro bat flips? Do a split if you've got an easy catch. Where do you stand on this? Let's start with you, Tierney. (laughs) Ah, sure. (laughs) I 
am pretty middle of the road in that if she had just done this to do this, I would kind of be like, what? But, you know, she says later, I thought it would help the league. Like, I was showing off for this reason. And I don't, I think fines or retaliation for showing off is ridiculous. But I do think there comes a point where you're so good at sports that it becomes a kind of little bit like, really, you're going to do this every time, guys? I mean, if it's a particularly good, you know, if you hit, oh, uh, someone was just show- sharing the thing of Reggie Jackson hitting a home run. And then he literally just stands there and like leans on the bat. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that looks good, doesn't it? And it's like, that's amazing. And, and when you see, um, when you see like a four-year-old girl hitting a ball off a t-ball and then she does a bat flip, I think it's a, uh, I, I just love it. It just goes straight to my heart. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, little kids doing bat flips. That's amazing. That ball went 10 feet. You did it. (laughs) Whereas if you're, you know, in the Super Bowl and have just scored your second touchdown or third touchdown of the night, it's kind of like, all right, we get it. Obviously, you're very good at this, sir. (laughs) So I that's a really long answer of saying I'm kind of in the middle. I think it can get out of hand, but I don't think it is a problem in and of itself. Yeah, fair enough. How about you, Rachel? Oh, I think I might kind of fall in the middle. I don't I don't know. I mean, my main sport that I do is running. We don't get to showboat a lot. <laughs> no splits or anything. Um, <laughs> you don't moonwalk backwards over the finish line. <laughs> and I'm just a very, like, I guess in general, I'm just like, let's just play, you know, play the sport. Let's just do it, get it, go home. You know, if there's some spectacular moments, then let's have them be that. But I don't know. I think, like Tierney said, I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, I'm not like a huge fan of excessive showboating or celebration but in circum like certain circumstances it's it's all right as long as it doesn't get taken too far is it like if it interrupts gameplay i'm wondering yeah. if that's how i should have worded it <laughs> yeah or like you said you know if it's obviously you're running the score up it's like let's just you know okay we get it you're awesome <laughs> Let's just finish this game. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Uh, I'm going to say I'm I'm pretty pro celebration, minus if it gets into rubbing it in the other team's face. Because you're really doing it. Because you're doing it for you, and you're doing it for your team, and you're doing it for the fans. Because you you want everyone on your side to be excited. So Jose Batista with the bat flip, awesome. I don't even really follow football, but Terrell Owens doing the bird thing in Dallas on the star, I remember that. That was years ago. I don't. I, I have no idea why. I just know it was offensive, and people hate the Cowboys. So it was cool. <laughs> but if it's you know if if you're if you're doing it to push yourself over the top, then it can then it can be then it can just be annoying. You're just do you're just uh, you've gone too far. But as long as the the mood is still good, go and celebrate. That's why that's why we're all involved. We, no one wants to see a bunch of robots. Yeah, tyranny. I. agree with your point about fines for it being sort of silly, but Mike, the idea of it being done for the fans, that's really back to the point that it is coming from in this movie. So they've been told, hey, we might not keep your league around 
because it isn't making enough money. And sometimes you have to step outside of your comfort zone of what you are best at and do something to attract a wider audience. And that's what she is doing here by doing the split when she catches a foul pop-up. She She's playing to the audience. So I think that element can't be stripped away from sports because sports are entertainment. And a great athlete also has to be a great entertainer and be able to connect with their fans. So, I mean, if I was a coach and I saw Madonna catching a fly ball in her cap, then I would say, you better never do that again. (laughs) But as a fan, that's fun to see. So there's a little bit of a tension there between what's entertaining and what's good baseball. Yeah, we're about to get a montage of a lot of that. (laughs) First, we have another quick aside back into this church, which I freaking love. Mike Jarf, this was the first day of shooting. They were (laughs) waiting for the light to hit the front of the church so that they could film Marla's wedding and they just decided to do all these little interior things with the basically they shouted out to the like is your character supposed to be Irish or Catholic or Irish or Italian get in the church Um, (laughs) I never noticed before I love that Doris is praying for hits like triple double would be okay (laughs) yeah and Jimmy doing the college shot motion after he crosses himself (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. Actually, knowing that this was the first day of shooting explains a lot of the shoot because it didn't it didn't quite fit in the progression of his relationship to the team naturally without knowing that. But now that Mm. I know that, it makes a lot more sense. But I always loved it because as a purposefully lapsed Catholic, (laughs) the way that he responds to them all giving the sign of the cross and then (laughs) telling them, you know, that doesn't do anything. God (laughs) knows we're playing a game today. Oh, oh, he bursts the church god knows we have a game (laughs) (laughs) but as much as i object to the catholic church's politics it's still something that is a part of my youth and the way that tom hanks character after everyone's gone i'm gonna do my own sign of the cross (laughs) i'm gonna do my own little paul yeah to the altar it's just it's just habit yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you have to have at some point believed to say, God knows we have a game. You're implying that you believe in God by saying that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think that was his intention. And then I love that it immediately goes into, um, as the montage is starting, one of the best digs. Dozens of people are waiting for the game yeah. to start. <laughs> 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 it's so funny. <laughs> Can I rewind just a tiny bit to after oh, yeah. after um the whole splits catch? I love r- the racing. You know, they go over to the racing dugout, and that oh, catcher's yeah. like. I can't do that. And then the coach is like, well, who can? I just love that little aside, like, well, crap. I can't one-up that. (laughs) Okay, we can move on now. (laughs) That's all right. It is important that we understand that the racing catcher is going to be a part of our lives. (laughs) Just while we're back in the game for a second, I can't get over the ads in the outfield. 
including <laughs> one for Heinz ketchup that just says red magic. Mm. <laughs> I, well, like, I've never thought about ketchup like that, but, you know, red, <laughs> now you red magic. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to just get a bottle of Heinz and say, give me some french fries, I've got my red magic. I was going to say, some people like it on everything, so it is red magic. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually, it's funny. My kid calls it dip. And Aww. I have to, every time, make a Who Framed Roger Rabbit or a tobacco <laughs> joke. <laughs> Quick, get him his dip. <laughs> Which is relevant because we see Jimmy give it to Dottie. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Get his red magic. Yeah. Can we also talk about Squiggy, the baseball announcer's reaction to the split? I Uncle love some of his Elmore's socks. <laughs> I wrote down some of his because wasn't he really? He knew. I mean, he he was a pretty proficient in baseball, so he knew a lot of that. You know, those terminologies from back then in the day. Yeah, apparently, I don't know if he like had played a baseball announcer before. Or was just a big fan, so he had listened to some. But he came up with a bunch of these. Like later, he yells, uh, Uncle, "What was the other one I wrote down?" Uncle, Uncle Elmore's El- socks. Bridge work. Yes, <laughs> and Uncle Elmore's socks. They're amazing. <laughs> it's so good, and I love these. I love the promotions. I love the newspaper clippings. Did you notice what Kit's headline is? Oregon rifle firing bullets. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. And in all the books I've read about the league and players and women in baseball, they talk about all of them, like, having their clippings and looking over them to, like, refresh their memory of how the games went. So I just, I really love this little sequence. And the music is, the music is, like, pumping and everyone's (laughs) playing and it's so good. Tay Leone's at bat. Mm -hmm. It's a whole thing. (laughs) And then in the midst of all this, Marla gets a letter from Nelson, which she's all excited. And I I have had my first quibble with Megan Kavanaugh. It's a sad day. <laughs> in the commentary, she says she says, like, oh yeah, and Madonna's so happy for me. She's like, Yeah. Like she'd be happy for me getting a letter from <laughs> Nelson. And I I just want to take umbrage with that. I think May would legitimately be excited for Marla getting yeah. a letter from that guy she met in the bar. I think so too. Is, am I just being uh, romantic and naive? No, because I could see, you know, she was, I mean, back from that deleted scene when Kit was pitching to that guy, you know, on whether to go out to his truck with him or not. And she was all like, you know, let don't don't strike him out. Don't strike him out. I think she would have been proud of Marla and happy for her. I love that. And I love how she runs. I love watching her. Like, you know, Marla, <laughs> just when she like kind of is trotting back up to the house, just her, the way she holds <laughs> her shoulders, continue, it's just like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I love this house. So it implies that the whole team is living in this same boarding house in Rockford when they're homestanding. And it seems to me, I could be wrong. Maybe some people did live in boarding houses like this, but most players lived with host families Mm -hmm. from what I've read. So it would have been, you know, player here, player there. But I get why for movie reasons, it makes a lot more (laughs) sense for them to be in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just real good. And then Evelyn, Evelyn, get in the lineup. (laughs) Yeah. And then when we get to Madonna's idea... I just oh, love when she talks about that. And I love the faces. Like, I love Ellen Sue's face, <laughs> just like their reactions. And then Marla in the background, she's like, oh, oh my goodness. She kind of like, yeah, is like, I don't know. But I just love Ellen Sue. She's like, her. she's so blank. Like, no, just no, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> so are you talking about her 
amazing sales idea to have her (laughs) bosom I'm pretty sure she'd get kicked out of the league for that. Pop out. (laughs) Yeah. You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? (laughs) (laughs) I love that dig. But Rachel, I also especially loved everybody's reaction when she's giving this pitch because they all are looking like that is a terrible idea what like daddy's just ignoring her like i'm not even listening like i will not even let this go in my ears and ellen sue's just my favorite (laughs) she's just that blank like no (laughs) (laughs) but yeah their reactions are as fun to watch But when she gives her that burn, that uh, do you really think there's a man in this country who hasn't seen your bosoms? I, I was feeling a very Laverne and Shirley type of vibe. And I know, Tierney, you haven't seen that much at Laverne and Shirley, but right? Mm, I love yeah. their friendship. Yeah. I love May and Doris. I love that we have seen from the bookend at the beginning of this movie that they are still friends in their 70s. Yeah. 60s, whatever. I have to do the math, but... And they still get the digs in then, too. <laughs> yes! Like, they are... They, I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Doris and May are the loves of each other's lives. Yeah. Mm. You can take that in whatever way you want to take that, but they love each other in a way that few people get to experience in this life. It is a beautiful thing. And that also means that when they make fun of each other, they are their own worst enemy. <laughs> I love that. So my verbatim notes. Hello. Yes. This movie would like to address racism, but only for 10 and a half seconds. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I timed it. It's not long. Yeah, it is not. (laughs) It's not long. And I also, and if anyone else can give me different information, I am happy to receive it. But I could not find out who this actor is who plays the African-American woman with the strong throw. I couldn't find out if she was an actual ball player or she was trying to represent a ball player. They're giving this nod to, okay, it's great. You'd think that'd be important information, huh? Right? They're giving this nod to, it's great that women are being included, but not everyone was being included at this moment. But there's falling short of including someone who could really speak to that point. Well, our 10 seconds are up, so back to the fun <laughs> montage. <laughs> I couldn't find anything either on Lori her. Petty said this was her favorite thing in the whole movie, so I mean, they recognized that it was a little bit lacking in that sense, and I got really sad because when the A League of Their Own TV show was announced, and that Abby Jake, first of all, they said they were going to do it, and there was going to be something on TV that was A League of Their Own, and everyone on my baseball Twitter list lost our collective minds and it was wonderful and then they announced that it was going to be abby jacobson and um darcy what's her name got cast and about half that list went i don't need to see another white woman playing baseball thing i have the movie for that Mm, yeah and that was really disappointing (laughs) to me because i will watch women play baseball all day every day But unfortunately, there were a lot of people who were like, you know what? I thought this was a chance to do Because originally, they didn't even say when it was going to be. It's like, is it going to be set in present day? Is it going to be girls playing baseball now? In which case, like, come on, it needs to be diverse. Yeah. If it's set during the war, they were saying like, well, that story's already been told very well. We're how many hours into studying it? (laughs) So I, a long way of saying I don't know. I obviously am very excited for it, but I can't help seeing the point of view of people who are like, no, we wanted something else. And 
If you have not watched Pitch yet, go watch Pitch. It's only one season, sadly, or so far, knock on wood, maybe it will come back someday, but he's real good. It's real good. Hmm. And I'm trying to look up now the... There's a Tony Stone play that there have been like tickets going around to watch it streamed. Anyway, unfortunately, I don't have many notes for this because it's so quick. I also don't have many notes, but in a much happier, it's not. Actually, no, I have more notes for Marla's wedding than I do for that. (laughs) The one scene that addresses the segregation that was in the actual historical league, which people have pointed out like uh, 47 Major League Baseball integrated. They could have, but from what I've read, it sounds like the man, the people running the league just felt like it was a bridge too far. Oh. Like, we barely got people to accept women, white women playing baseball. Do we really think we're going to be able to do that? Yeah. And they had, uh, I want to say, four players from Cuba that came up, and I was just reading about this. Actually, I'm going to be really rude and grab the book. <laughs> Isabel Alvarez was one of them. And she was only 16. She was on one of the touring teams. At some point, she was the only person, you know, English was not her first language. And she would be on a team with all English only speakers. And she said she was horribly homesick, but it was really good money for her family. And she got to play ball. So she figured like, well, I got to do this. But she liked when she was on the touring team, there was another player and you were together like all the time. So you kind of had to get to know your teammates better. And she said that was a lot better than actually being on a settled team and like having the place where you lived. But like, that's it. You're there alone. Can you imagine playing professional baseball at 16 years old? Yeah, man. Uh, just imagine the person you were at I know. 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not professional anything on that kind of commander <laughs> schedule. <laughs> no. I was washing cars for Belmont Motors and trying to figure out how I could get everything that I needed to do done in the day and also sleep for part of the day. <laughs> I did not have a work ethic at 16. <laughs> the montage is raring towards an end, but we're not there yet. We see Marla get married. I very much appreciate the ADR about how she'll be back next season. Yeah. To explain that Marla no longer appearing in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they're just throwing the baseballs at the car when the, they're like, driving away. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, this is a... This is my car, man. Could you not dent it? <laughs> I like the baseball bats instead of sabers. Yeah. It's oh, really I like that. Cute. And all the things they tied to the back of the car. I like that too. Mm-hmm. But Marla's dad came out for the wedding. Yeah. And then a dolly grip gets his big break as a sailor. <laughs> the man who is all of us when we yell at sports. Thank you. Slide, slide. Thank you. <laughs> Resulting in that very real strawberry bruise. Yep. <laughs> Mike Jarf, if you thought that was a makeup artist it going for not. the gold, all injuries appearing in this film are real injuries. And I Get read that out. that bruise wow. stayed on her thigh for like over a year. Like she had that yep. for over a year. Like the outline was still yeah. there. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my goodness. And like when Jimmy takes a picture of it, is that for documentary or is that just to be like, wow, look at that. I think it's him being gross. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's much more that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, we get Aunt Edna's bridge work. She is out. (laughs) And I would like to point out that while, yes, Dottie holds on to the ball, she does not roll like she does with Kit's collision later in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone keeping track of, oh, God, I guess we have to ask our guest. We're running long, but we must know where you fall on Team Wallop versus Team Big Sister. Does Dottie drop the ball on purpose at the end? Hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought I knew you, Mike. <laughs> no, I don't think she drops it on purpose. She's a competitor. Repeated watchings of it, it changed my mind because I initially thought she did it on purpose. But after watching it a couple of times, I'm like, I came around to how you think, Jarv. I'm like, no, she plays to win. Like, she's in it. She's in it. Anyone with the mentality to square up and just be bowled over by someone probably twice their size and how much that's going to hurt, you never get over that level of being a competitor, even if it is your own sister. When I think if Kit wanted to win, she would have to win the right way. Dottie wasn't going to just give it away. Like she's gonna be like, okay, you want to win? You have to, you have to get past me. Yeah. This hot dog ain't getting past Doris. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this made me think of so many happy memories of people going into the stands at Fenway. <laughs> Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where was the pizza thing? Pizza. That was at that was at Fenway. Yeah, that's Fenway. Okay. Left field, uh, third base side. Here comes the pizza. Yeah, I guess you have to tell Rachel now about Here Comes the Pizza. I know, I'm very curious now. Do we think through how Boston-centric a thing that is. (laughs) I'm imagining players catching pizzas in their mouth. So it was, uh, what happened exactly? Must have been 2000, like in the the mid-2000s. I guess there's a a play near the wall, um, near the outfield wall. Whoever it is runs over, kind of goes a little bit into the stands. It's on Marathon Monday. So this is a game played in the morning. Uh, Starts usually 10 or 11 a.m. Okay. Uh, So people are drinking beer early in the morning so that they can (laughs) finish finish the game and then walk out of Fenway and see the end of the marathon. Wow. Yeah. And. Which is amazing for the record. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and there's a little bit of a collision with a fan. Uh, but while you're focusing on, on this guy, all of a sudden, a slice of pizza flies over and hits him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then someone, you know, like he turns around and he throws his beer at this guy. And it's, you know, it's a quick thing. But they, the Red Sox announcers, Don Arcillo, Jerry Remy, just keep playing this over and over. Because they're they're bored. It's the morning. Like it's morning baseball. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything's confused. And, and you know, Remy's got the you know strong Boston accent. He's like, "Here comes the pizza," and we're still getting into it. Just he's the play by play guy. He's just calling it out. But you know, this guy comes up and then you know he throws his pizza. It's like who would throw a piece of pizza? And it's, you know, it's almost a Seinfeld type thing. And it's just. It's bizarre and weird and... Oh my gosh. There's drunk people at 10 a.m. and they're throwing pizza and it's just crazy. I, I just looked up, it was 2007 because I found a <laughs> article that is the 10th anniversary of Here Comes the Pizza Incident from 2017. Nice. <laughs> like there are think pieces on this in the Boston area. <laughs> 
Our media market is out of control. What can I tell you? Here comes the pizza. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could bring that into everyone's Yes, lives. I have to look that up. Yeah, just a couple couple weeks, it'll be pizza day again. Before there was pizza <laughs> rat, Hopefully. there was here comes the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, because there was a resurgence when Pizza Rat happened. And Boston was like, we did oh, it first. Yeah. Pizza Rat, there. I have no transition from Pizza Rat back into this montage, <laughs> but I would like to let everyone know the game under the lights is absolutely gorgeous. This would have been most games. Yeah. Because most games were night games. Yeah. The idea being you'd work a shift, you'd go to the game, and then you go... And there's a really great book written by someone who was a kid when they were playing. And she talks about how cool it was that, like, the field looked so weird and it was just black beyond that. Like, you couldn't see anything. There was nothing to see. It, like, the whole world just shrank down to the field while they were playing. So I love that. And I love that Stillwell holds his hands over his ears during the fireworks. That's really cute. This is where we get the catch in their hat, like May. Sorry, Coach Jerf. <laughs> so you're not offended because that wouldn't have counted as an out, though, because wouldn't have because she didn't catch it with either her hand or her glove. Like that wouldn't have counted. This is where movie magic comes <laughs> into play. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm. I'm just. <sighs> I'm a killer of fun. If you get it past the umpire, I mean, it's a fair catch. Yeah, that's true. That's very it's, true. It's illegal, but if you don't call it, you know. <laughs> um, it's on their side. And then they show a bunch of people hitting in succession in time with the music. My heart is just going wild in my chest. And I just have to say how absolutely gorgeous Evelyn's hit is. Yeah. Like, it's they all sound fantastic. It's all off the wooden bat, but Evelyn's swing is the best, I think. Well, I just want to say, in general, thank you both, Tierney and Rachel, for bringing a little bit of baseball into this bleakness of 2020. It was Mm -hmm. such a delight to watch this montage of just just some great baseball being played in in a baseball-free spring of 2020. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. A little bit of uh, spring training, too. Yeah. We got a little bit of spring training and baseball movies and TV shows. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I was watching the news today. And they were announcing how they were canceling the London baseball games. And the way they announced it, I was like, <gasps> like my my heart was like pounding. I was like, they're canceling what? And then it was like the London, you know, series. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought I was like, don't you dare. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. It's funny, actually. It does kind of make me think of one of the lines that I really picked up on. The the last thing we're going to talk about today is Dottie and Jimmy talking on the bus. And one line that I don't think I ever really... I must have heard it. I've seen this movie how many times? And they don't, like, talk over it or anything. But Jimmy, after telling Dottie about his injury, when she says, like, well, why aren't you in the army? He just says... How did I get so useless so fast? Oh, yeah. And she doesn't say anything. And then it cuts to Kit and May. So I never really noticed it before. I never sat with that line. But it it really made me think of that because I was like, wow, baseball was here one day and then it just wasn't. Like things happen so fast. At least we're not all limping. But, you know, like it mm, it hits you different this season. Yeah. yeah. It really does. Our lack of season. (laughs) I took a screenshot of that very moment, Tierney. And (gasps) no. Yes, exactly. Because it was just the biggest mood of 2020 that I've ever seen. 
some people are, are out there on the front lines of a crisis and some of us are just trying to figure out how to live under quarantine. It's exactly. it's a crazy feeling. Yeah. Good looking and smart. There's so right. few of us. There's so few of us. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I appreciate not only that Tom Hanks combines the the heartfelt with the quips, but uh, this story for Jimmy holds up. I really appreciate that once you know, okay, he has no cartilage in his knee. Mm-hmm. Jimmy is almost always limping. Yeah. And he's always at least walking kind of funny. Yeah. Like, I appreciate that Tom Hanks as an actor never lets slip that, like, his character has a bum knee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do we know what position he played during his playing career? Oh. You ask me that, and I have not yet (laughs) scrubbed ahead to the end, but. Yeah, me neither. Don't. wouldn't it say in the hall? It would. I would think Spoilers. it would say on that plat or that placard that he has. Yeah, because there's that plaque of him at the hall. The photo catcher would certainly make sense. Yeah, but I wonder. I'm gonna be rude. <laughs> do, 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 do. Wonder if I can find it. I mean, as a middle-aged man and a runner, almost any yeah vigorous <laughs> exercise at our age, is going to blow out your knees. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, my knees hurt sometimes when I was a mid-20s casual runner. (laughs) I have run with a knee brace almost every day for the past eight years. It's just a given. Some parts of your body are not as strong as the others. Yeah. God, I have to fast forward. I'm seeing older still. Well, I have to move it. I have to move it. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Don't talk about your mom. Don't talk about your mom. Don't, don't, oh, don't cry. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. Oh, no. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, the fact that the studio wanted a scene where Gina, d- where Dottie turns Jimmy into a good man. <laughs> because after all, that's what matters. And I love that Penny Marshall took that note. And at the end, all that happens is Dottie gives him a Coke instead of the booze. (laughs) Third base. Okay. Jimmy Dugan appeared at third base in the 1936 All-Star Game, the same year, uh, his greatest year. Also, we do have confirmation he was a Cub, even though we all emotionally knew it. (laughs) Yeah. So, third. Okay. So, hot corner. The hot corner. Yep. That's going (laughs) to put some wear and terror on your knees. Yeah, I can see it. The thing that bothers me in this scene is that Dottie denies loving the game. Here's my problem. You can love baseball and love being good at it and enjoy playing it and still plan to quit And when your husband returns. Oh, yeah. Dottie has seemed to decide that these two things are mutually exclusive and they really don't have to be. <laughs> I also like when Jimmy asks, you know, does does he he know how good you are, you know? And he's she's like, who Bob? And he's like, no Hitler. But he's like, no, yeah, Bob. And it's like, does he? You know, it, it makes you wonder. Like, she never does answers. He? I mean, later in the you know the final of the World Series, we see that Bob is at the game. But it's one yeah. of those things, you know. You think. He seems pretty supportive uh, or pretty like, yeah, that's my wife. (laughs) Yeah, he's super into it at the game. Yeah. He's down with her. And I I don't know. 
She doesn't answer it. There's something weird happening. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they originally were planning to do a love story between these two or what, but very annoying. Although I do love, this is another good example of friendship and the fact that friends make fun of each other. Yeah. As much as how good am I? You stink. You're lousy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, to me, them turning the corner into being real friends as opposed, like they were just, they were kind of tiptoeing around having respect for each other. And I like that by the end of the scene on the bus, you believe that they are friends. Yeah. Does that jive with everyone else's thoughts? Did I blow anyone's minds? No, you didn't blow my mind. There was one moment in our inning that we didn't really acknowledge the exchange of tobacco after she makes that (laughs) tough play at the plate that I think was an important transition to them being friends. But I do agree with your final analysis. Oh, Uh, The one thing I forgot to mention, but I think it's because this was mentioned towards the end of the montage and I wasn't going to go back and rewind it yet again to watch. Look for Kit having a sock pushed down, which is covering a walking cast because Lori (laughs) Petty twisted her ankle and continued to pretend to be a baseball player. After I heard that, like I kept an eye. I was like, oh, sock down, sock up. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the one. And then I love, I don't remember who said it, but I think it was her. They were talking about like how much they were playing and how much they filmed for this, that they all became friends. And Penny Marshall was making fun of, I think the person who plays Alice got like a tattoo during filming. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it was Lori Petty. Too many girls on a farm in the Midwest. They will drink. Things will happen. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the best declarative statement of like the weird, again, going back to kind of what's going on, like, Time has no meaning. What is time? (laughs) Days just go by. (laughs) And so if you have the means, maybe you would get a tattoo just for the heck of it. (laughs) But if you're listening to this and we're still on lockdown, don't go get a tattoo right now. No one needs to be put in that position. It's too dangerous. I saw so many things about tattoo artists donating their gloves and masks to hospitals. So that was heartwarming. I hope by the time this is coming out, things have uh, chilled a little bit around the world. That'd be nice. I'm not even asking for things to go back to normal at this point. Just chill. That's all I ask. (laughs) Also, don't use chewing tobacco if you can. Just don't. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this movie's set in 1943. We've improved something (laughs) since then. Like discouraging ballplayers from using chewing tobacco. (laughs) Which still happens. That's so weird to me. That some people in the 21st century are chewing tobacco. I've seen pictures of Chase Utley and it's, wait, what's that in his cheek? It's chewing tobacco, isn't it? It's so gross. It's so gross. There is gum for people with oral fixations who are professional (laughs) athletes. Like, I... I get that sometimes pitchers need to concentrate, but we have other things for that. Don't forget sunflower seeds. As many as you can fit in your mouth at one time. Exactly. God. (laughs) You have to understand, I was a baseball fan and an X-Files fan at the same time. I consumed (laughs) so many sunflower seeds, like in the year of 1995 alone. Oh, they're the best. I might need to go get some. They have a lot of fun flavors now. Oh, see, I can't do the flavor ones. I gotta go traditional. Unless they are, without the cover, chocolate-covered sunflower seeds. They're not really sunflower seeds at that point. (laughs) They're weird M&Ms, but they're really good. (laughs) So I didn't even ask at the beginning. I just assumed you guys liked this movie. (laughs) I love this movie. You were right in your assumption. (laughs) Oh, goody. (laughs) 
Did you see it when it first came out or did you discover it later on TV or what? I don't remember seeing it in the theater, but I think I saw it on video shortly after it came out. What about you, Mike? I saw only saw this movie like two years ago. It had just never come up. Like I had, I just had never sat down and watched it. And then a couple years ago, I finally, finally did. And it, it, it is good. Now, seeing it for the first time as an adult, in the 21st century. It holds up, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I probably enjoyed it more now than if I had seen it, you know, when it came out as a kid. Having to, to compare A League of Their Own to Rookie of the Year is just unfair. <laughs> but, you know, now I can put it properly in perspective and be like, oh, yeah, this is still, this is a good baseball movie. And it's probably more realistic than, you know, a kid breaking his arm, getting a crazy surgery, throwing 100 <laughs> miles an hour. You think? What happens in looking at the year? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. It's especially funny because I've been rewatching The Natural on Netflix, and that was my first introduction to baseball. Because I grew up in football country. Baseball was not big Hmm. as a sport where I grew up. So it was movies that introduced me to baseball. And as a kid, I found The Natural to be a fun fairy tale. As an adult, I read the book and it's a great novel. But rewatching the movie, it is not holding up. I mean, Robert Redford is amazing, but just the story is not that great. All the baseball is great, but everything that happens outside of baseball, as compared to League of Their Own, where you're really invested in the characters and what's happened in their lives and how they're sort of making this balance between their love of baseball and society's demands for what role they they play. It, it just, it's not that good. It's a, it's a little bit bad. I am fine with that. I grew up on the natural soundtrack and I finally saw the movie for the first time when I was in college and I was watching it with my junior year roommate. We were both huge baseball fans and the natural was going to be on. It was like, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Let's watch it. And we just sat there like in silence staring at the TV screen. And I remember at one point she turned and she's like, this doesn't make any sense. Does this make any sense to you? And I was like, no, I'm so glad I'm not alone. (laughs) Like, I love, I should have been a farmer. Like, that's the best, like, there are amazing things out of that movie. But it was just weird. And now, Jarf, I'm kind of thinking, maybe we need to do a special episode of Joe vs. the Minute where we analyze the natural as a fairy tale. (laughs) But we can talk about that more, not on a different podcast. (laughs) Yes. Well, we have plugged Joe versus the Minute quite a bit. That's the podcast where Jarf and I analyzed Joe versus the Volcano one minute of a Tom Hanks movie at a time. We did a deep dive into that one. (laughs) But did you have anything you wanted to plug other than telling them our social media handle? Well, since you've teetered up, our social media handle is at Joe versus Minute, but Who knows when this will come out. So just in case, my own personal social media handles are Twitter at Inspector Flora and Instagram at Jarf Harden. So you can follow those to see what new movies I might be talking incessantly about. What you've gotten up to in the meantime. (laughs) And Mike, I mentioned we did Return to Oz together. One of those great ones, but you're working on something yourself, we right? Did and if you if you like the Wizard of Oz, then it's the movie for you. If you've never heard, <laughs> of it, 
But yeah, I'm I'm hard at work with my brother on another movie in this format. We're covering Home Alone one minute at a time, hoping to still get hoping to still get it uh, completed in 2020. Corona pending. I'll look for it later this year. Nice. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Another great 90s yeah. movie. <laughs> it was the decade for movies. <laughs> I just watched St. Elmo's Fire for the first time last night, so I'm going to wholeheartedly agree with you because that movie is insane. (laughs) (laughs) But that is neither here nor there. It is one minute past when I said we'd be done recording. So (laughs) I think we're going to wrap this segment up and drive off into the night on this bus. Have a stretch, get some refreshments, and join us right back here for the bottom of the fifth, next time on A League of Their Own, one inning at a time. Hang on, <laughs> let me do it again. I'm having fun. So are you talking about her... Bosoms, 